to the DIY Animation Show, where we get to the heart of what it means to be an independent animator. I'm Lauren Morse. And I'm Jessica Dahl. Together with our guests, we'll explore tips, tricks, the psychological, the fundamental, and above all, how to make whatever you can with whatever you've got. From the keys to the breakdowns and everything in between. The timing's right to do it yourself. Let's get rolling! guys welcome back to the diy animation show it's me lauren and i'm here with part two of our conversation with dead end dear creator and showrunner and pitch extraordinaire hamish Steele. we left off in part one talking about how the original dead end story drew from some of the real life experiences that hamish and his friends had and how our own real life experiences are and can be reflected in the shows that we watch and create So now, in part two, we're picking up again as Hamish considers what's most important about Dead Endia that he really wanted to protect as it became an animated show. There's plenty of pitching advice. He discusses how collaboration can bolster representation and how he struggles to understand the phrase guilty pleasure. It's going to be really good, so let's go! I mean, I I guess kind of off the back of that, um, whether it's kind of right now or for Dead Endure as a whole, it, like what's kind of the most important thing about Dead Endure that you really want to protect and keep intact throughout this whole process of it becoming an animated series? When discussions started happening about Dead Endure, I was very prepared for some huge fights mm-hmm. about the uh, keeping, you know, I went in with like the hills I was willing to die on <laughs> yeah. were, were that. You were up, you were like ready to go for it. Yeah. <laughs> they were Barney has to be trans. Barney has to say the word trans. It can't just be implied. Mm-hmm. And ha- Barney has to be portrayed by a trans actor. Those were like my three kind of things yeah and i never had to fight anyone on any of it oh that's amazing (laughs) yeah and so um i have when i say that i have to like put a couple of things into context one is that i've had many of those fights in the past Mm. um it hasn't been easy over those 10 years i've pushed for queer representation in every show i've been working on i've had meetings with people where i've essentially been told that I am an inappropriate person for children because, you know, it, it's it's very soul-crushing to have someone say that they love your show and they love your world, but you're not allowed to be part of it. Mm. Um, so I've had those fights. And the mm. other thing is I have to say, those conversations, like the fact that I've never had to fight anyone about this, to the comical point where Netflix have said, like, can we put a bit more <laughs> in there? Or can we, like, you know... Um, there's been some funny moments of, of that. Um, I have to like thank, you know, the showrunners who've had those battles before, people mm-hmm. like Rebecca Sugar, people like mm-hmm. Mark Stevenson, people who've like um told through their work studios that you can't you just shouldn't be scared of this. If anything, it makes your fan base more loyal and and yeah, it mm-hmm. deserves to happen. Yeah. Um I think um having the book was very helpful they couldn't they wouldn't dare censor you know (laughs) stuff that's there published Mm -hmm. but they they never even if that was like a thought at the back of the heads they never had those conversations with me um i really trust them um and i have like in the first few months of development i was very panicky and, and shy about mentioning any of this in meetings um I actually remember Netflix getting in touch with uh, one of my producers saying like, is Hamish okay? Whenever we bring up the like 
gay stuff. He sort of wants to change the subject. And it's because I was just like really scared that they'd like notice. Mm -hmm. Like I I just was prepared to sneak it in. But no, we have all that. We have like, you know. Did you, sorry to interrupt uh, that. So you said the, like the three things that, you know, that you really wanted for Barney, for example. Um, did you have to, like when I say have to, um, like I'm trying, how do I want to put it? Um, did you ultimately, like, did you have to come forward and ask for those things uh, regardless? And Netflix was just like, okay. Or did, or did they ask you or how did that conversation occur? I think they just read the books and they saw Barney, you know, you can't, change that about Barney oh no I, um, I think I think what I mean sorry I, I think I think I think what sparked that actually was when you said that um uh that you got a trans actor to play uh to play Barney and I was like that's great and uh but it, so which of course you know you don't have um you know you don't have a voice actor for a comic so uh so did, <laughs> so did Netflix approach you about like about that like hey we'd like to get you know have a trans actor uh play Barney or did you come forward and you, were, and you said well I would really like this for him and they were like all right let's do it um i can't totally remember how it happens but i don't think it was ever a question like That's i think cool. Go like, on, i'm so was... excited <laughs> <laughs> well like, i was just assumed and we, that's <laughs> been kind of across the board the, the casting has been really interesting because uh when like like 50 percent of your cast are demons mm. um <laughs> you have to be kind of careful like, even though everything I said earlier about how demons aren't really the villains and everything, um, ultimately, demons' iconography from our own culture is, like, um, there's just certain, like, wanting to make sure the demons are, like, a really fun, diverse voice cast, but also making sure that you're not, like, saying something about certain types of people by casting them as demons or, mm-hmm. or like, only casting certain types of voices as demons or certain types of accents it's like uh it's a lot more of a tricky puzzle piece than you think because you start wanting to make sure you have all the representation you need with the human cast to be able to just cast really great funny actors um as demons um when it comes to barney like like i said it just wasn't a question i we auditioned loads of people for all the roles um uh zach barrack who plays barney is like so good and so he's like literally barney in real life that's so cool (laughs) i saw him i saw him do like an instagram live the other day and when he was talking about uh this show he's just he's had so much pride for it and so much he loves barney so much um and uh yeah like he i think one of the other learning experiences is i've been working a lot in british animation and Something I will say about British animation is that we have so many great actors here. We have such like a huge, you know, history of um, theatre actors and and there's so many people at our disposal, yet whenever British shows happen, it's just comedians who aren't actors. It's just the, the kinds of names you hear are just like where are your actors and (laughs) i always found myself struggling to like get the kind of cast i wanted but on dead endia like there there can never be an excuse that oh that type of actor doesn't exist Mm -hmm. you know i the i'm trying to be sort of skillful on how i like um, take your time talk about characters (laughs) but like Every time I've like demanded this type, you know, this actor, this character needs to be played by this type of person. We found that person and we found several of that person. And we found, you know, we've had great auditions and we've chosen someone who's a really great actor. So there's so many things that aren't, they're just, they can't be excuses anymore Mm. or ever. They could have never have been excuses. Um, All it takes is someone to be like, well, no, we'll find that person. We'll find. I don't know. It's just so weird to me that, like, I know, because, you know, to be fair, Barney has been voiced before because mm-hmm. um, he's in the original short and um, it's voiced by uh, another Zach, weirdly, Zach Pullman, mm-hmm. who was great. But back then, I felt 
I don't think I'd ever really said that Barney was trans, even though I kind of knew it. I didn't, the casting was kind of handled by them. They just sort of knew who they liked. And, and I, this was my first job. I was trying not to rock the boat too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think Zach was a great uh, Barney, both of the Zachs. I think um, the original Barney was great. He's a really good actor, but um, things were very different this time around. And I could um, just, to be, I don't think I've ever told him this, but I, um, Zach Barrett, who voices him in the show, um, is sort of who I wanted um, from the beginning. Um, I'd watched lots of videos of him. He's got a really great TED talk about um, how he sort of like came out via Club Penguin. Oh. <laughs> um, he like he was like made a male penguin as a kid and was like, "That's who I want to be." Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I I just I think also the thing with Barney is. You want to find someone who's a great actor, but also someone who can talk about the show and and be a kind of spokesperson for it. And mm-hmm. uh, he has thick skin as well, because I mean, already the show hasn't even come out, but there's like art- there's an article on Breitbart about it. There's uh, um, some YouTube videos just like complaining about it. And I have a thick skin too, mm-hmm. but you kind of need someone who can um he was zach was in uh spider-man far from home and uh uh got to you know he had to do a little bit of the press circuit um it's quite a small role but you know he's already done that kind of dealing with annoying questions thing Mm -hmm. so um not being able to hang out with the cast has definitely been one of the hardest parts of the lockdown thing i still never really met them but we we get to um chat every week when we do our records but um Ooh. yeah i like i said it's never really a question um we've done i think pretty responsible casting throughout um and it's funny we always find these we find out these other things about people like after the cast like norma for example is um played by cody kabitha and she we, we she's just a great voice actor mm. and um when it was only after we cast her that we found out that um, before being in Dead Endia, she was a uh, theme park tour guide. <laughs> no way! Are you serious? <laughs> oh my god! And, uh, <laughs> she like, uh, yeah. And so there's just lots of funny things. So funny. And, um, <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Oh, oh my goodness, that's so cool. The kind of the next question that I had. Um, sort of dipping back to how you've had to fight for those really important things over the years like you've had those experiences do you have any kind of um specific ways that you've discovered are particularly effective or kind of mindsets that are useful to have um when you kind of when you are negotiating uh with people involved to get them on board with the things that you really you know, want to have in there things that are really important. Because confrontation is intimidating. It is. <laughs> Frankly, oh, yeah. 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 Um, confrontation is tough. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, <laughs> none of those shows I mentioned before happened. So mm. I don't even know. <laughs> if I'm, uh, I really should be giving this advice. But like, I always felt that when it came to the gay stuff, I would just throw their questions back at them. I would if they ever said like, well, we can't really do that. I'd just say like, why? Mm-hmm. And then if you sort of get people to basically explain homophobia to you, it's very tough, but it it's, you have the power. They want you. I think that's the other thing is like in every walk of creative life, there's this constant fear that you'll say the wrong thing and you'll lose the job. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in the room, they want you. If by some strange reason you did lose the job, you can get into another room and you can get into another job. And do you really want to work with people who fire you for, you know, having ethics? Mm-hmm. Um, That's accurate. <laughs> like, I I find the way to get power, like, the way to get power in one of those awkward confrontational situations is... Like I say, um, 
you don't have to be the one answering all the questions. You can just throw the questions back. You can watch them squirm. <laughs> um, this is about a very specific type of thing. If you're just mm -hmm. looking for like other things you want, because like even though at Netflix things have been amazing and they've let us do what we want in terms of representation, um, I know of other studios where they they won't even let a character you know, they won't even let the main character be a girl, or they won't even let, you know, they'll have much lower bars that you have to sort of squeeze through. Right. And I think in those situations, again, it's just getting them to try and explain themselves. And I think one of the things that really frustrates me is that the most common deflective tactic they'll give is they'll blame it on other countries. They'll say, well, this will never fly in that territory. This will never fly in that territory. Um, and I think a lot of that's just racism. Mm. A lot of it is just scapegoating, you know, other people's problems when, um, and I think that's why I was mentioning, you know, Rebecca Sugar and stuff, because even though Stephen US did get edited in other countries, um, that's their problem. Like it's well it's, said. It's you know, I I mean I, I maybe I don't I shouldn't be saying this, but I um Netflix is global and Dead India will come out everywhere at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um I don't believe it's censored everywhere, anywhere. No. Uh, I don't think it'll be censored anywhere, but um I think there's possibly a chance it doesn't show up in certain categories or it doesn't, you know, I I don't know. I really don't know. Mm -hmm. But that's one of the things they told me was that, you know, there is a small chance that due to the laws of a country, you can either not have it come out or you can have it come out, um, you know, not on the kids channel or not mm -hmm. like whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just like, I want the show to get out there. I want it to happen. You have to make some compromise. Mm -hmm. I understand to a degree that other countries do have laws, but to like say you can't do anything for a US audience or, you know, for the audience you're actually making it for to begin with because another country won't like it is so... That is just a bad excuse. Mm, yeah. And um, I think, uh, like I said, just remember that you're in the room because they want you. And... This is another bit of advice. This is just like general, general advice. Yeah, do it. I would say that, and this is sometimes difficult for people to hear, the show you're pitching and the actual show itself is fairly low on the list of like reasons for why the show will happen, which is a bit strange. But when you're pitching a show, what's far more important to the channel, it's a job interview. It's a job interview to see if you are a showrunner they can work with. Mm -hmm. It's someone they can trust to deliver the product that they're paying for. Right. The show itself has, you know, should be very good and fun and whatever. But it's sort of, they know when you're pitching it that the show will change. It'll have, have years of development. It will become something else. What's more important is that you can, uh, they can work with you. So if you're in these situations where you're like fighting for something in the show that they don't seem to want, I think generally you and, and, and every job interview is you also wondering if you want to work there. So defend what you think is important, show your passion, show some, show the executives or whatever that you are someone who actually does believe in the show. Mm. Because I think the worst thing is that you're pitching something that they can sense is like not really the thing you want to be making. It's not really important to you. Um, so even if you have to fight for things, I feel like them seeing your passion and how important it is to you is just as worthwhile as like the actual thing that you're fighting for. I don't know if any of that made any sense. It made complete but, sense. And I'd never yeah. thought about it like that before, actually. Because <laughs> like, now, you, oh, go on. Not, not to quote Danny DeVito in Matilda. <laughs> oh, but to quote Danny DeVito says, in Matilda, though, please. <laughs> he says, 
people don't buy a car, they buy me. Um, <laughs> and that's, I know he's an awful person, but that, that yeah. um, it's kind of true. That there is more true for shows than it is for car salesmen, actually. It's, um, they're buying, they, they are hiring a showrunner to take care of something that's going to cost millions of dollars um, and they need faith in you. Mm. And if they have faith in you, then, you know, whatever you make will be great and they'll be fine with it. Um, and they know that hundreds of other people work on the show, that they can give notes and they can make it into something they're happy with. But ultimately at that very first moment, if that, if that moment of you wanting to say, I have an idea for the show and it's got to have X, Y, and Z in it and believing in those things and showing that you are passionate is so much more important than the actual show itself. Mm. That's really cool. <laughs> Mic drop. Thank you, Hamish. <laughs> Thank you, Hamish. Yeah, oh, that's cool. so good. Um, yeah, I'd never considered it in that way either. Um, I was always under the assumption that it was truly just the show that like, which yeah. I mean, I obviously like that's, that's an important part, I'm sure. But uh, yeah. But yeah, I just, I don't know why I'd never really thought of it like that before. Like they're really just, they're looking for the person to entrust like with this baby. <laughs> don't drop the baby. Very, the show is very important. But, and I'm going to wrap, I'm going to and wrap in some of my other advice from earlier on. Mm -hmm. Like the characters, like I said, with Barney and Norma, they could, they should be able to take place anywhere. I think one of the main problems with pitching is people lead with like the world and the 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 twist mm -hmm. and all this very exciting stuff which will be what the fans like mm. but um i say this with some of my friends are executive producers but um <laughs> they they're not always the most creative people not always <laughs> and it's a bit like that whole like you don't want to have give people too many clicks to get to your artwork on your website advice mm. is like you want to give them you want to show them something that they can imagine stuff in. If your if your whole pitch is way too polished and like this is the you know if you spend the first ten minutes talking about the backstory of your world, then they're not interested because <laughs> you're far more interested in your like story than you are with like making a relationship, making a partnership wow. of creating something together. Mm -hmm. um, I know I, I'm. When it comes to pitching, I actually have like a pitching webinar. Really? But like, yeah, I did one at the start of lockdown, and um, I love talking about pitching because it's actually what I've I have way more experience with pitching than I have with show running, to be honest. <laughs> um, and like you know, long uh, all of my pitches have been successful. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. even if the shows never happened, they all led to development, and they all led to you know. And I've said before how never really your fault if the show doesn't happen like there's so many factors so oh, um, I'm always happy to hear to answer questions about pitching and what people yeah, should do sweet. we'll have to make sure that we get the link to your webinar um in the show notes yes. for this episode because yes. yeah that's so helpful that's amazing I have a question in regards to pitching and then also the piece of frederator frederator advice from before uh just in terms of um like so in your experience after like pitching all of these shows and developing characters and all of that, what, how do you, like, what are some ways you can tell that basically your characters are fun and what can you do to make your characters oh. fun so that they can be fun wherever they are? I, not great phrasing. Yeah. Part. Fun, 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 fun. So I'll get to that. And I'm going to say something that might be unrelated, but maybe it will be. He'll see. Okay. Um, I, I think what, in just regards to what you're pitching, uh, another bit of advice Frederator gave me was that they could give a hundred creators the pitch that there's a space panda who has a rocket that shoots cats and the cat is called Napoleon and their spaceship is a banana and they, they could give a hundred people the most specific, bizarre pitch and they'd get a hundred different shows out of it. Wow. And I think that's the other problem is that people think they have to be the most original concept. Mm. When it comes to characters, there's like just a few basic setups. There's 
characters like um I think about things like like the Concords and Broad City, where like mm-hmm. the joy is that they're quite similar mm-hmm. and they like get on super well. There's obviously the like odd couple kind of characters, and all the conflict comes from them being so different. There's ensemble shows. Like there's only a few ways to really make characters um mm-hmm. you know make characters you mm-hmm. can like get one of these tried and tested sort of personality traits put it on a fun character design make the character designs like look nice next to each other mm-hmm. and make them so that um i think sometimes people think too much about characters being the most original and again they think too much about backstory um like i was saying earlier about barney and his like the darkness and his backstory that's like kind of nowhere in his character description mm-hmm. and it's just stuff that i know mm-hmm. and i think people you know you shouldn't lead with backstory backstory is story the audience shouldn't hear it's like it, if it were important we would start the story there mm-hmm. it's just stuff that informs the characters and so i think trying not to think too much about originality because i think one of the fun things about just watching tv is characters who are instantly or very quickly understandable and putting them in situations where sometimes <laughs> i'm jumping around a little bit but yeah, go for it. i think there's this misunderstanding that about originality and about unpredictability and about just like trying to trick the audience and trying to like subvert expectations. I think, especially in kids TV where kids, um, kids are very smart, but they might not have seen every single trope or every single cliche, cliche yet. You want to make characters who, when you put them into a situation, you kind of know how they're going to react. Um, I think what's fun about the idea of sticking Barney and Norma on a spaceship is that if you know Barney and Norma, you can already start writing how they would react to all that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you throw Barney and Norma into a kind of the floor is lava situation, you should be able to know which one's going to be more panicked, which one's going to be more like, I know what we're going to do and how they're going to react. Like when you're creating characters for your show, it's totally fine to say like, oh, they're like, you know, SpongeBob meets um, the evil queen from What's Our Time. It's totally fine to just like say, we're kind of like these two characters. I mean, that's like a, a you know, it's this the, meets this. It's fine to, in your pitch, say they're like these three quite similar characters. It's that type of character. Mm-hmm. Um, like I say, you kind of want to make who you're pitching to's job easy. Like right. you want they want to be able to like they want to come out of the meeting already writing plot lines in their head if your story mm-hmm. is like so complex and backstory full and, and and so original it's kind of hard to pitch mm-hmm. and i think the goal for any creative is to get to a point where you can make those bizarre complex um passion project flops that no one likes uh because you've been <laughs> entrusted with m- money and you've been entrusted with trust um <laughs> but if it's your, like your first pitch i think there's no shame in in sticking to tried and tested ideas as long as there is still like a unique selling point or a unique perspective mm. um and i really encourage people to put uh themselves into their pitch and you know what the show means to them Mm-hmm. what what about their lives i think a lot of people's first projects are very close to themselves yeah. like um i think about alex hirsch or gravity falls is he's one of the twin mm-hmm. and it's about that and steven universe is of like rebecca's brother is literally steven <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um and like whenever i hear people's pictures you know i love hearing about the world and the characters but i'm always kind of waiting for that sentence which is like why is this why are you the person who should be doing this and why are you the person like who are you in this world Mm. what's the context here yeah that's so good that's the same with characters like if you want advice for how to make your characters better just 
make one of them yourself and make the other one your best friend. Yeah. Or, or like, there's no shame in self-insert. I, I think of Barney and Norma as being, um, this is not meant to insult Norma in any way, but when I originally conceived them, Barney was who I wish I was and Norma was who I think I am. Oh, that's great. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. So Barney is like really confident and uh, he's always jumping into action and he like, I, I think he's cute. I think he's like so bright and always the room and Norma's a little bit more of a <laughs> misery guts and like yeah. pessimist and, and it's always kind of complaining a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they're both a little bit of me. Yeah. So don't write about what, you know, <laughs> write about what, you know, but oh. <laughs> don't, not in like a literal sense, just like write yourself and, yeah. you know, do what you love. That's, cool. That's such great advice. So on that, because uh, I've heard that piece of advice before, and and I think it's an important one to, you know, like write about what you know, and like, and especially like write about who you are and your experiences, because uh, again, they'll be authentic. And uh, and again, as we can tell with Dead India, like they'll be super interesting and awesome and fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, and dimensional. And dimensional. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's say, because again, we're all also human with uh, like we all have experiences but what was that what was that <laughs> you, you said we're all human and i said speak for yourself <laughs> see i'm really weird yeah i see you're not wearing this out i'm so weird i'm a weirdo love it. i love um, it be a weirdo so. weird, <laughs> I yeah, sorry i interrupted no, no like, we're trying to like hold our own weirdness in so that we appear to be sensible podcast hosts it's true it's but, so it's completely welcome and <laughs> I don't, I don't know how much it's worked. Also, in my head, when you were like, when you were like, speak for yourself, I imagined the um, the like dun dun dun, like that sort of music. <clears throat> and like, hmm, case files now to inspect. Anyways, uh, <laughs> uh, so everybody has different life experiences, and especially you know something something that's really great about this day and age is that there is such a, a good and necessary push towards more representation more authentic rep representation more vo uh uh more voices mm -hmm. um but of course you know we're also people infallible and maybe some of us have less experience or or maybe we don't have as much diversity in our lives or basically as creators like if you find yourself in a bubble and find that your life doesn't reflect that broader diversity that you do want to support mm -hmm. do you have any advice for like how you can advocate and act upon more representation in an authentic way in your own work uh, i mean i love collaborating mm. i love um getting people to say the thing they've always wanted to say i i don't know i there's a balance between writing about what you know and then running out of stories to tell um yeah. i think um like I obviously am collaborating massively on the show, but mm -hmm. even in comics, I'm uh, starting to collaborate with artists and editors and all kinds of people who I really want to give the space to um, add their voice to the story. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, on the sh on the books, I I did write about what I knew, but when I didn't know about something, I paid for like sensitivity readers and um had a lot of people read the second book actually mm -hmm. um because uh spoilers for the second book i had a muslim character start learning some magic and there is um stuff about that that i wasn't not only didn't know about um but like i don't think anyone would enjoy my take on if you know what i mean mm -hmm. like i i think you should always feel pretty confident about the story you're putting out into the world. Um, you know, sometimes I'm not, I, I, I've said in the interview that I'm not sure how people are going to react to things, but, and they don't know where I'm coming from, but um, I try not to speak on anything. I'm not, I don't feel confident speaking about. Mm. Um, but like I said, collaborate. I think the internet is a wonderful new thing that, um, <laughs> can connect you with people who have different experiences to you. And I think um, I love discovering artists and uh, my kind of goal in comics right now is to keep writing, but um, 
write things that I find like the perfect artist for because I I think my art is functional and I think my art is fine for stuff like Dead Endia, but I have stories I want to tell that I wouldn't be able to draw. So I love um, getting uh, artist collaborations and really involving them in the story as well. Um, I've got a comic coming up called <laughs> Croc and Roll. Yes. Um, I saw the, uh, which... the cover, like an image for that, and it was just fabulous. <laughs> 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 um, it is what you expect it to be. It's about a crocodile rock band. Excellent. And, um, Need more audience. <laughs> they were jamming so hard. Um, <laughs> but it also has trans characters in and uh, gay characters and, and everything. Hmm. Um, and coincidentally, my favorite uh, rock and roll crocodile artist, um, George Williams, is also trans. And so I've wanted to really involve him in the story as well. And um, I think that's the thing, just like collaborating. Don't just collaborate with people because you want someone, want something out of someone and you want like them to, you know, I didn't just want to hire an artist and they draw whatever I come up with. I wanted them to make something that they also were pleased with and mm. happy to put into the world. Mm. Um, and that's to say, I, I don't know, I, I, it's tough, but um, there's no shame in writing about what, you know, I yeah. think... I think there's a, maybe this is my only hot take of the podcast, but um, I think there might be a bit too much focus on people wanting diversity in comics, in like comics characters and not behind the scenes and not people drawing it. Like I, mm. this is probably a little bit strong to say, but there's times when I've read, um, let's say black characters by white creators mm. and it's not felt any different to blackface like mm -hmm. in some ways your characters are all uh versions of yourself and they're all um as an artist you're the actor in a way mm -hmm. you're you're writing the lines and you're performing the characters through drawing and so um as great as like having diverse books are they kind of there's they don't solve the problem that like just having more diverse creators would help right. solve. Um, so I think when I, you know, that's kind of like a weird way of going around to the fact that there's no shame in just writing about what you know. And if you do want diversity in the media, uh, it's not everyone's, it's not necessarily your job to create it. Um, you can amplify other people's voices. Mm -hmm. um, you can give people the space to tell their stories and you can collaborate and, and, you know, lift others up, but it doesn't have to be your sole job to add, uh, I don't even know if this is the question really. No, no, it's fabulous. No, please yeah, continue. It's really good. Um, I'm only quiet cause I'm listening. <laughs> I think that's the thing. It's like dead endia has sometimes been. It's often got the kind of like it's so diverse label but as i was saying earlier when it came to doing the webcomic i didn't think about it too much i was just writing about my friends and i hmm. um and i would get my friends to read characters um the character of logs is actually based on one of my best friends <laughs> partially named after Aww. him as well what a cool fun fact that's great <laughs> so i would show him scenes of logs in and just you know i would talk about the character and, and it, it felt a lot more like writing OCs with your friends like you mm -hmm. know um and when it came to do the show I you know have to have people writing and creating it who can vouch for these characters because they're no longer just me and my mates making a comic they're um gonna be someone on a screen who someone's gonna see a stranger far away is gonna <laughs> see that character and you know mm -hmm. um it's weird like it's weird like I said I don't I really didn't think of it that way when I started making the comic. It just is set in the real world, and my world uh, kind of looks like that. But um, I don't know. It's tough. I don't. <laughs> um, we can't solve every problem in the world through cartoons, but we can try. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. No, I. But I, I really like that though. Again, I just. Um, I feel like all of what you just said harkens to the fact that again, like just write with your voice and mm. 
if you want to write for others' voices, like just bring others others' voices in in like yeah. one format or another. Like, uh, um, like I actually I hadn't ever considered that you could. Again, I, just, I, I feel really naive saying this. But I, I hadn't considered for one that you could even just like hire for one, like, uh, like you know, just like proof your work and like give you mm-hmm. feedback. Um, but yeah, but I also really love and appreciate that again, like uh, whether it's bringing an artist in and then ha- letting them have like the says in the story. <laughs> says is that even? It's not <laughs> grammatically correct. <laughs> letting them have a say, like a say in like the characters and how things work out in the story and all that stuff. Like again, um, there's so much beauty and richness in collaboration. I think that should be remembered. Also, mm. and again, like, and again, I think like I like to generally think that again, people are trying, like people are generally trying to do the best that they can. So yeah. I, I think mm. it's an important reminder to say that you know you don't have to. You don't have to be everything, nor nor should you. Again, mm. it's like that. It's like that one uh, destructive demon, in um, like that was brought in. That's just like, like, like pure pure light. Like, uh, like that's destructive too. Where am I going with that? Um, <laughs> you don't have, like, I think sometimes people forget on Twitter that you don't have to actually have an opinion on everything. Yeah, exactly. Um, no one is like dying to hear my thoughts on certain topics and mm-hmm. um you know i know things can be said about armchair activism or whatever mm-hmm. but like a retweet or just like sharing someone else's experience goes a long way mm-hmm. and listening um i don't yeah you can't solve every problem and i think um i think that India in some ways is a little messy like it it's got so many characters and so many themes the stuff i'm working on at the moment i'm really excited that it has a lot more focus like rock and roll is very it's um it's basically just about stage fright and like about um stuff in your past uh blocking you from like doing the thing you want to do mm-hmm. um so it's fun to have like a bit of focus again i think when i made dead endia as a webcomic on tumblr i i admittedly there was a desire to like touch on every topic that i was interested in and like um to all that and i think that's its own you know enjoyable read um i I just think one another thing i think about is how don't write anything that you can't defend if someone like Mm. comes to you uh at a panel uh, or, or at a table in a convention and has an issue with your book um listen to their grievance and have a conversation but like ultimately just before that happens write stuff that you can then talk about Mm. like some people i think just write things they're just like copying things that they've heard Mm -hmm. um there's been some moments of that happening with me when i've sort of like heard a joke that i thought was funny and and try to do something similar but realize that like i didn't have the full context to really do that joke mm-hmm. um there's so many times in the show even when you're just like writing what's funny and then you realize well that is funny but if that character says that to that character that's no longer funny it's going to read as something slightly different right so i don't know i sorry i <laughs> i can just like talk about all of my thoughts i'll say <laughs> as much as i you know love the the working on the show and everything like there's so few times when i actually just get to talk about this show to anyone oh, <laughs> and so it's, i'm it's, just really enjoying getting to like almost um treat this a little bit like a therapy session and just like oh, get fabulous. all my thoughts no, about making great. the show out there no it's really like it, again that's i mean that's lauren and i just uh heck even even the i, I don't know if this is appropriate to say but even the podcast aside it's just uh like we just the two of us just really enjoy hearing mm-hmm. about like like this is like this is this is your baby and we want to hear mm-hmm. about like what you love and your thoughts about your baby <laughs> so yeah, like yeah 100 percent. and again like it's also really enlightening too uh like for me i like i have a lot of uh like but like i i've joked that i like most of my sketchbook is just like writing notes down for notes down for stories that i want to tell and mm-hmm. uh but like for me i get um like 
I, I am an easily anxious person anyways, I feel like. But especially for, you know, writing stories that are personal to you and getting it out there to people like, um, like I have like, I, I have some goals like, okay, I do want to make this story happen. And like, I'm going to be writing, like, like drawing this sometime soon or whatever. But then there's a fear of like, well, am I again, including, including enough people? Am I being like, am I representing people? Well, like, am I not representing people enough? And there's just, um, and I feel like there's a, like, there can be a lot of fear about like, if you're doing this thing, right. So I don't know, there's something really validating and freeing again, again, to hear that. And kind of just like, like the takeaway that I've gotten from what you've been talking about is overall is that one context is super important. And like the context of one person's experiences are going to be and tell and telling that experience is going to be different from another person's context of their own experience and, or trying to retell an experience. So automatically there you know it's going to be kind of kind of like adapting a comic to an animation series <laughs> how relevant here um like the context is always going to be a little bit different which is okay yeah. it just means you need to go about it differently and those ways are valid and you just have to be aware of them so hmm. so there's that and also again i just um i love the emphasis on collaboration that on, that you talked about for uh, all of this, honestly, and how just again, you know, invite people into your world or or invite people in so you can better understand their world or uplift their world. And just it's I don't know, it's just it's like suffice it to say, I just think it's lovely um, to emphasize that again, like we're all here together and we're all unique and different and the same. And it's just I don't know. Yeah. It's lovely, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's my point with all that. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess, um, yeah, kind of on a real personal level as a creator, when you have those stories in your heart that you really want to tell, they're really important to you um, and they're important for you to tell them as well. For you or or in terms of what you have noticed, where do you, where do you kind of find or how do you commit to that boldness to tell what's in your heart when it might be completely different from what people might either expect of you or is deemed um different to the societal norm like yeah where do you kind of dig out that boldness and how do you kind of (laughs) stick to it um it's not a difficult question at all (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. I've always had a, I've never really had a filter on, like, I think one thing is that I don't, I I struggled a lot to uh, understand the phrase guilty pleasure Mm -hmm. for a long time. And I've never really had a filter on, like, explain, like, talking about things I like. Um, I'm currently, like, getting an autism assessment. um, And I'm, I'm, not great at talking about like whether I can talk about my experiences mm-hmm. um, until like I get a diagnosis or whatever. But suffice to say, uh, there's something wrong with me, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm actually kind of like paraphrasing. My mum gave me a bunch of um, of my old school reports in order to for this assessment, yeah. and um, a lot of them say like. Because I was like diagnosed and re-diagnosed and undiagnosed and re-diagnosed with a bunch of things uh, when I was a kid. And a lot of them say like, well, we don't think he has this, but he's definitely got something. Um, (laughs) You're like, thanks, everyone. So um, I've had many like intense special interests over the years and um, had a real problem like knowing when to shut up about the thing I love. so I kind of like treat Dead India or the any or, or Croc and Roll like so Croc and Roll for example I'm making it independently as a comic because I showed it around to a bunch of publishers and uh, a lot of them just didn't really want to go with it but they did like it I got lots of nice feedback it wasn't you should never make this <laughs> um, but like I, I worked with a bunch of publishers and was like, okay, well, if you don't want this, like here are my other ideas. And again, it's those like second bests, like not my favorite 
things. Hmm. Uh, and so I was developing a few book ideas that I was just like, you know, this isn't really what I want, what I want to do. I want to do croc, croc and roll. <laughs> um, and so it's like identifying what you're actually passionate about and like treating that like your, I'm using the term special interest, but like you treating that as your obsession. Um, as you can tell by how long we've gone over, <laughs> I'm like obsessed with talking about Dead Endia. And it makes that like, it means that like, my days at work go by really quickly because I'm so engaged in every conversation surrounding it. Mm. Um, so I guess I, I'm saying like, I don't know how not to be bold. Yeah. yeah. That's but cool. I think, I think um, when you are just indulge, like, like I said earlier, like you're, you're selling yourself, not the show. And if they can tell that the show is basically just, a means to get a show rather than the thing you really want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, even like the Wizard of Oz show came about because I, um, again, I was like pitching a bunch of things to Blink Industries as like stuff I want to do. And they were like, yeah, I guess these are kind of good, but like, what do you actually want to do? Like, what's the thing in the back of your head that you think you shouldn't talk about because you're a bit embarrassed? And like, before they finished, it's like, Wizard of Oz. Ah, yeah. Wizard of Oz. Um, <laughs> And like they'd never heard me talk about the Wizard of Oz, and they were like, "What?" what? <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my god, here's all the fan art I've done. Here's like the oh, blah blah blah." blah. It's so um, cool! Oh so man! Like, so it's like, don't wait, just 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 dive into that deep yeah. end. Oh, sorry, go on. I'm just, yeah, afraid. just do the project that you want to do. And like, um, I've been seeing people talk about cringe recently, mm-hmm. as like we all got told to not do self-insert characters, not do this, not do that, not have your OCs be like this, not make mm-hmm. something derivative. But like, no, there's no time for that. Just do exactly what you want to do. <laughs> um, even in all of those shows where I was uh, a showrunner for hire, I'd always try and find the one thing about the show to get like obsessed with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I worked on a show that was like sort of had of like a farmyard setting and um i i don't want to say i wasn't interested but it was like i was brought on it wasn't my idea and the way i connected to it was like obsessing <laughs> uh just about the countryside and about like i i grew up in um glastonbury um and if i could like Maybe that's not a good example, actually. But like, it, it's struggling sometimes to talk about the shows that are still like under and, no, NDAs no, it, and stuff. It sounds like you really zeroed in on maybe like the beauty of the environment or just something that you really liked about yeah. the, the landscape, maybe? Yeah. Like every, I, I sometimes say about Dead India that every department on the show thinks it's their department, the show. <laughs> they think like, you know, everyone, it's amazing to watch, but like everyone is doing their absolute most with you know, if everyone's finding the aspect about the show they're obsessed with and they're going headfirst into that. And um, I feel the same way about your own projects. Just like, you shouldn't be bored by your own idea and people will, like, people just respond really well to passion. And if you're going into a pitch, I'm talking about pitching again, but if you're going into a pitch with a kind of self-deprecating well, I know that, you know, you told me you want this kind of project, blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, I've done those kinds of pitches. I've, I've done like, I call them like shopping list <laughs> pitches where like it has to have this, 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 and this. And I'm like, okay, I'll try and make that work. Uh-huh. Um, I've, I, yeah, I don't know how not to be bold. Sorry. No, that's oh. great. <laughs> Please don't be sorry about that. No, that, again, that's what's done. I love that. I also love that, like, yeah, there really is no time to just not indulge in, like, the project you love. Like, I don't know about you guys, since I turned, like, now that I'm past 30, I feel like time is just flying by and it needs to stop for one because, Mm -hmm. but also, like, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like... uh, I would much rather listen to someone talk passionately about a bad idea than talk really well about, like... No, that's bad. <laughs> then talk, then talk really bored about like a great idea. Like, Ooh, I like that. I would yeah. much rather hear someone talk about their like Sonic OC from 2005 that they, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, no, that uh, they like, uh, pour all their energy into, and they know like all the 
like like backstory and relationships for and all of that and all the cool mm-hmm. moves and everything like i'd much rather hear about that than like well this would definitely like also i'm just gonna give you another another bit of pitching advice is that cool. um the shows you're seeing now are the shows that were pitched three years ago mm. and no they're looking for something else now <laughs> like that like um I'll be honest, I have this kind of relationship with the show The Owl House. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like we're both like the biggest dogs in the dog park looking at each other, like psyching each other out. Oh. I don't think anyone I don't think anyone involved in the Owl House knows who I am. But um I became very obsessed with like the fact that there was this other demon show. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh no, they're gonna do everything I wanna do, blah blah blah. Uh I've now watched it and it's so different and good in its own way and you know like i bet no one will ever make that comparison and even if people do make that comparison they'll be comparing uh it in a good way like um whenever people say oh you know what your art looks like blank they're usually being complimentary even if it's kind of hard to take sometimes but um i i was uh getting around to a point (laughs) you know i think some people make the mistake of seeing what's popular right now and trying to make something that studios will like based on that Mm. And everyone involved in these studios are now three years past commissioning that, and they're looking at completely different things. They're looking for the thing that's not like what's out there. Um, and I think a good way um, I've made things happen is just just always focusing on what you love. And yeah. um, don't design the perfect pitch that will definitely get commissioned tomorrow. And don't obsess over the fact that, like, why wouldn't they like this? This is just like X, Y, and Z. This is just like the things they'd commissioned. But, it, you know, it's just... Mm-hmm. Like uh, people want you. <laughs> no, I think that is. I think that is spot on. That's so good. Can I ask a technical question yes. with pitching? Cool. Okay, so one, gonna watch your webinar. Yeah. Uh, two, Mason, do email afterwards. Okay, but my so my technical question was um because I just know there's going to be like along with all of that you've talked about right now, like so far already here, and then I'm sure what's in the webinar. When it comes to pitching, like like who. How can you, (laughs) this is not a good question here. Can you just pitch? Like, I imagine you can't just pitch anywhere. Like, do you, like, do you listen for calls for submissions? Mm -hmm. And like, where do you go to find those? Or do you like reach out like politely to companies and studios through email and be like, hello, I'm such and such. And I would like to inquire about your like pitching Mm -hmm. policies. Like, how does all that, do you know, how does that work? (laughs) Um, Well, for Frederator, which is my first pitch, it was just, I saw a email, like a call for submissions. Um, For everything else, I've been working at the studio who kind of arrange all that stuff. Um, And, and, I have never said, I want to pitch to blank. They're just like, oh, we're having a meeting with this person and you should uh, be involved. And, you know, it's been that. And I think um, the way that Blink works with me is that they are sort of like my representation. They're kind of like having an agent. Um, In fact, one of them is basically my agent. And I just say that as a technical thing, you're always good enough to have an agent like where do you find an agent? Again, that feels like such a naive question to ask, but I've never really known. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's a mystery. I feel like it's such a mystery of the animation world. That's not a mystery, but it um, is. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know. I, I, there's also lots of kinds of agents. So there's like, I think if you're just looking to animate on a show, you probably don't need one. And, and But if you're like looking to create shows, if you're looking to like, get in more writers rooms mm-hmm. um there are agents for that and I, honestly i just <laughs> would google i'd maybe like ask certain friends if they ever mention agents or whatever just like like i said my situation is a bit weird because like it's just the animation studio i work at represent me but um yeah yeah no that's still, still excellent and good to know though thank you i appreciate your answer very very much mm-hmm. um Cool. Lauren, would you like to ask uh, this final question here <laughs> before yeah. I before my mind like pings somewhere <laughs> else? And I, can't, I, can't I mean, it's cool. We can. <laughs> I also have work in an hour, so I should Uh-oh. also probably start wrapping up. I uh, Hamish, this has been such a delight. Thank you so much for taking the Thank time out of your you. schedule to 
hang out with us yeah. today and talk about all this. This has yeah been beyond what we'd even imagined it would be. So thank you so I much. I like to get. So I like good. to give people a beyond what they even imagined experience. <laughs> Fantastic! You can put I'm that on your business card. In sweatpants, ready to watch another episode of Once Upon a Time. So, yes. Um, to be treated like some ethereal being that you've captured for a few hours is very complimentary. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so good. Uh, well, yeah, um, I guess in terms of wrapping up as a last question, uh, we just wanted to ask, what is your dearest wish with Deadendia? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I want us to get an art book. Oh, sweet. Oh, that'd be cool. I collect... Uh, art books for tv shows and like the art of whatever i love them so much and they're so inspiring and i like carry them to the desk at whatever i work at and mm-hmm. um and i think netflix really makes many i think they've got an art book for klaus um but i i don't know and so to me there's like a your goalposts for like when do you feel like you've made it change constantly like it used to be having a book on a shelf and and then I was like two books and then that was like this and that and like getting a show and and so currently like I'd love to just I think also because it's a streaming service there's no real guarantee or like need for there to be um like a DVD release or like basically anything physical I'd love something physical to hold and I think an art book would be great because there is some sweet sweet art on the show um yeah even just from the promo art, like, like I want an art book. That would be so cool. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think I've answered most questions with quite like a, a spiritual kind of response. So it's fun. It's, you know, I, I could have said like, I just want, you know, for people to feel accepted mm-hmm. and people to blah, blah, blah. Um, nah, I kind of want like an art book. <laughs> Sweet. Oh, man. That would be so cool, though. <laughs> Like, oh. like hold it tight to your chest and you're like like this is it right here and you can flip through it <laughs> smell the pizza. i mean i'm sorry i know this is a fine question but like i think that's when we got announced it was so odd to me to launch with the news of the cast who i know i could talk about the cast forever i love them so much but when we announced they actually hadn't recorded anything yet so um oh, yeah. i feel like yeah. the cast are gonna have so much focus and, I, and obviously i talk so much i just want an art book so that like all the people working on this can get their like can show off a bit and get their little moment in the spotlight because they're actually who make the show yeah oh that would be so good yeah fingers crossed you get to have an art book that'd be so good netflix petition starting right here guys please make an art dead india three signatures on it already it genuinely won't hurt to ask like keep asking Oh, good. No. Okay. Good. Very, very that good. <laughs> oh man. Love it. That's so cool. Oh, well, Hamish, this has been an absolute delight. It's been yeah. so good. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you so much. I, I relish any opportunity to talk about this. Oh, yeah. It's a, yeah, just an absolute joy to hear all about it and, and from your heart as well. It's just been fantastic. I can't wait for the show to come out and then for your your podcast to come out and we can hear about your thoughts on each episode. Ooh. I can't. Yeah, we should very quickly because, um, yeah, before we started recording, Hamish mentioned uh, you're going to do a podcast when Dead Endia is released next year, sort of delving into, is it sort of like a, an episode by episode breakdown kind of situation? I'm not or? really sure. It's just my intention. I feel like because the episode dump format means that uh, the intention, Netflix wants everyone to binge it. I want time to mm. explain the sort of process of each episode and maybe interview people um, from like the cast and crew um, who are super involved in the episode. Cause I just think there's, there's so much I want to say and I love talking about it. Um, and you know, I think people might get a kick out of it. 
Chernobyl did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did Eddie can as well? Yeah. That would be so good. Yeah, we will have to follow up with you on that. And um, yeah, when it happens, do do let us know, and we'll make sure to um to share it. Share it like crazy. We'll do another plug for like, hey Netflix, you should make an art book. Just saying. And uh... <laughs> cool. Well, I guess in the meantime, um. Where can people follow you on the interwebs and or like whatever personal art you're sharing or keep up to date on, I don't know if there's going to be like a, like a development blog for Dadendia or. Uh, I'm Hamish Steele on all the things. Um, there is no development blog, unfortunately. Um, Netflix prefers. But there's going to be an art book. So there <laughs> will be an art book. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dadendia books are available from Nobrow um press and yeah i mean if you follow me on twitter you'll have to put up with um intense mario game thoughts but <laughs> among all of those yeah. other tweets i'll update everyone on when they can watch it and and um awesome also if you just search for dead endia on twitter you'll find basically everyone involved in the show has made a tweet saying like i'm involved in this or i started and you know like i said they're all great artists and animators and future showrunners in their own right so mm -hmm. i think um that's my advice that perfect cool. and then also what was the name of the crocodile comic that you're making and where can people find that when it's ready uh, it's called croc and roll i don't know where it'll be available because it was kickstarted um but i will be opening pre-orders for people that missed out uh fairly soon um just follow me and <laughs> follow uh and I'll update when I when I have a new project. I don't shut up, shut up about it. So um... excellent, <laughs> good, perfect, perfect. Yay! Great, awesome. Well, Hamish, thank you so much. Uh, all right, I guess we're just going. I don't want to wrap up, but we have to wrap up. So <laughs> everybody, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been I'm like through the moon roof. I don't even know right now, and. <laughs> Um, so until the next episode, uh, Hamish, thank you again for joining us today. It's been fantastic. Until next time, uh, you can follow the DIY animation show on all of your favorite socials. That's going to be at DIY. D well, I don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> is at DIY a show on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, then the DIY animation show on Facebook and of course the website DIYanimation.show yeah and you can also listen on SoundCloud iTunes and Spotify and if you've enjoyed this episode or had any thoughts please feel free to reach out to us on your favorite social platform and let us know because we really love talking with you about mm -hmm. so in the meantime you know what to do follow your heart and have fun animating Yay! we'll see you guys next time bye See you guys later. <laughs> the DIY Animation Show is an indie production from your hosts, Jessica Dahl and Lauren Morse. Our theme music was provided by Azure Flux. Subscribe at DIYanimation.show. If you liked this podcast, maybe you'll enjoy more art and story podcasts from our friends at the Oatly Academy of Visual Storytelling, featuring insights from some of the most inspiring voices in animation, games, vis effects, comics, and children's books. Find them at friendsofdiya.com. We'll see you next time. Bye! Why was I saying this? I, <laughs> um, I, I was uh, getting around to a point. I can't remember what the question was. It was something about animation. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>